Good morning, radio entrepreneurs, listeners, and fans. I'm producer Nathan Gobes. I'm excited to introduce you to another segment of the FBA panel discussions. This summer 2021 edition is all focused around transitioning a family business and the politics related to such a process. This is only part one of three, so be sure to check the description below for links to parts two and three as those go live. You should also subscribe to Radio Entrepreneurs and be sure to click that bell button so that you get notifications when those other parts go live, as well as all of the other business-related segments we record. Next, I'd like to introduce our panelists. We have, of course, our longtime panelists, our returning guests, Rich Hershen, partner at Gray, Gray & Gray, Stephen Wilchins, founding partner at Wilchins, Cosentino & Novins, and our third panelist for this segment is Aviva Sapers. Aviva Sapers is leading Sapers & Wallach in its third generation as president and CEO. And at Sapers & Wallach, a family-run insurance, benefits, and investment management firm, integrity is at the root of business. Under Aviva's leadership, Sapers & Wallach provides innovative and cost-effective ideas to clients through careful examination and a case-by-case management approach. Recognized as a leader in women-run businesses in New England, many of Aviva's employees have been with Sapers & Wallach for 20 years or longer. Aviva's passion, outstanding expertise, and dedication to true caring for her clients and her team has earned the company a recognition on the Boston Business Journal's list of the area's largest women-run businesses in 2008. Welcome to Rich, Stephen, and Aviva. Finally, I'd like to introduce our panel's moderator and host, as well as Radio Entrepreneur's host, CEO of Mage LLC, Jeffrey Davis. Jeffrey grew up in a family business and is uniquely qualified to moderate and, and lead this panel. Thank you, and I'll hand it over to Jeffrey. Well, that's a high expectation you've set, a you know, strong moderator. We don't know about that, and I bet you Rich would have something to say about that. Actually grew up in five, uh, not always at the same time, five family businesses, and uh, currently uh, still a family business being in a family office being run out of our house. So, and that is a third generation coming out of our house in addition to what we do at Mage. So no matter what I do, I can't get away from family business. Uh, it's just the reality of life. And I think that's the way the four of us feel. So let's start. And I'm pretty excited about this group uh, as I respect them all greatly. You know, uh, one of the things I find difficult in business, or I don't find difficult, but I know a lot of families is how do you start? the whole conversation around a transition with a family, because they're not always ready to start the discussion, especially the parents. Uh, I don't know who wants to take that first. Uh, Viva, you've been on both sides. And uh -huh. Steve, you've had it thousands of times. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll start. I think the idea would be to... I think if it's the younger generation talking to the older generation slash founder, I think you have to have a commitment to the business. You have to demonstrate that you want to be involved with the business and you want the business to be successful. So you have to demonstrate to the, to the older generation that there is a commitment that you want this to continue. You also have to demonstrate that to your employees because you wanna be treated as an equal employee, not as a family employee entitled to solely benefits. So if you're able to 
build that, you know, foundation, that would be the start of a conversation by approaching the next generation and saying, I'm interested in pursuing this as my career. I would add to that. I'd say it probably goes both ways. Uh, It's important for the older generation to let the younger generation know that there is a, a potential that there is the opportunity to come in if they prove themselves or if they do all the things that Steve just talked about uh, and, and give them an idea that it's an opportunity because sometimes those conversations don't ever happen. And, and I've often told people, uh, thankfully in my situation that didn't occur. My dad said, Hey, and you know, I, I expect someday someone's going to run this business. There were two of us who were both family members, the Sapers and the Wallachs. And uh, we actually hired an outside consultant who's on the screen with us to help determine if either one of us was capable of being the owner. But that was a commitment from my dad's generation to say, okay, we want to have a, a family member in here, but if neither one of these folks are capable, we'll have to look elsewhere. So I thought that that was a nice way to do it. But I've talked to a lot of my own contemporaries who were in family businesses who had to start the conversation with their parent saying, hey, yeah. Uh, Someday is there an opportunity? And I think to your point, Steve, when people bring it up to the older generation, that's the beginning of showing, hey, I'm interested and and I'd like to learn more about what you have in mind. I think the key is just communication, right? It's the younger generation communicating to the older generation their interest in the business um, and the older generation communicating to the younger generation what their intentions are and what they want to do and see, see happen. So, you know, I think it's just communication. I also think whenever you're communicating and things like this. Important to think about it from the other side um, of what they're thinking through, you know, for the older generation, oftentimes this is their baby. This is something they built up and worked their whole life and it's not easy to let go. Um, And, you know, for the younger generation, they want to get in with their own ideas and um, advance in their career. So I think having a perspective of how the other person's approaching it and think about it, I think is important in any of these conversations. I think when the older I'm sorry, when the older generation says, I want you involved with the business, I'm not so sure they understand what that means totally. They don't have clarity of what that means and what the steps to implement that. But at the same time, they're looking at the end result and not looking at all the little steps in five years or 10 years to get to that process, you know, to that goal. So I think that even though is all good intention, okay? There isn't clarity. There isn't a good understanding of what it takes to implement that strategy. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll speak from a, a different little perspective, and that is that, you know, I worked for my stepfather and I was the youngest in the family. He just came to me and said to me one day, you're the, you're the person who's going to run the business one day. He didn't ask me if I was interested He didn't speak to his own children about it who were in the business. He just told me it was my job. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know how to react other than to sort of take the order and and figure that that's the way it was done. And I think the only reason I got it was that I was so intimidated by the process that I did every job that he ever asked me to do. And he thought that was wonderful, that I was willing to sort of get myself so dirty because I didn't want to get fired. and, you know, it just wasn't planned out, wasn't discussed. And to this day, it was never discussed. And I think that that's a problem. I think Rich is right. It's all about communication. And so, you know, uh, you know, let's go on to sort of the, the next question. When do you sort of open up that whole discussion with, uh, and how open really should it be? 
I know, uh, you know, Aviva, you're, you're right. You, you know, you hired a consultant. And I remember that consultant very well <laughs> to, uh, to work with your family. But I also remember since a uh, full disclosure, when I went back to your father and I, I sort of said that you were the logical one uh, to run the business, my sort of faint memory was that he basically said, well, that's the one I expected you to pick or you were probably going to get fired. Uh, so <laughs> that was the better choice. But, you know, how do you how do you sort of open up that discussion? Because there's so many different expectations. You know, I know I work with some companies that I've crossed over the rich over the years and family members have totally unrealistic expectations from father to son to daughter you know, to what their role could be and should be and how the whole process should be handled. And it creates a lot of issues. I think getting, you know, someone like yourself, you were involved with Aviva is always a great way to have someone from the outside, someone who's got experience in these situations to come in um, with a different perspective and help guide. So, you know, if I were giving advice to a family starting to go through this, it's don't think you have to do it alone. They're, you know, hire experts, hire people to come in, whether that be accountant or lawyer or consultants or so on, but, but bring in people from the outside to help gain some clarity into this. Right. And which is a good point, Rich, as well as understanding the distinction between ownership, leadership and management and understanding that each one plays a different role. And and the next generation may play all three roles or may play one role and getting a better understanding of what that means. Someone else who advises to family businesses, there's also different scenarios, you know, in our case, I was the only family member in my family that's in the business. There are plenty that have multiple siblings, at which point it's who gets chosen? Is it a competition? Um, does dad or mom or whatever love one more than the other? I mean, there's just a lot of other factors. So uh, I think your idea, Richard, bringing in consultants is, is a good one. There's lots there. Well, there's lots of different advisors for the process. Uh but a lot of times when you're managing the process, and I've seen this, you know, with Steve also, uh, they expect you to tell them what they want to hear. And if you really are doing the process correctly, I made that joke with Aviva. If you tell them something they may not want to hear, that could be a problem as well. Right. right. But also the outside consultant is very important as well as having the board, having some type of formal fiduciary or non-fiduciary. Uh, board of advisors to help provide some guidance and and strength for the for the entrepreneur founding generation and then the next generation to to provide some experience and seasoned advice on on how to implement this change over a period of years and i don't want to necessarily plug the fba but organizations like the fba where you can join other forums with other family businesses from either G1 or G2 or G3, you get to hear that you're not alone, that there are lots of other families going through the same thing and you can find out how they did it, what worked, what didn't work. So there are resources as well. Right. You know, you just led me down the path of that whole resource discussion. It's been something I've worked with a long time. The four of us are professionals. I get, I think that those peer support groups are good. But I think the problem is a lot of times when you're talking to peers, they tend to tell you how to solve the problem the way they wanted it solved with their family. And to me, that can be that causes a lot of problems as well, 
because they're not really objective and they're projecting out their own issues. And a lot of times I find in my work, I'm fighting against that friend, family member from another family that's trying to tell somebody how to do something the way they did it or wanted to have it done with their family. So it only complicates it. And it's never perfect on the solution. And it's better as the family, you know, together, the generations, is to try to go down a path, see a trial and error and see if it's working. Because they could they can tack differently and move each direction because you'll get there ultimately. But it's, it's not going to be a clear linear path. It's going to be a zigzag over a period of years to figure out what works for, you know, the family to make I, it successful. I think that, too. For years, that for years gets me to, to my last question for, for this segment. And, and that is, I've noticed with millennials more so than other generations, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's millennials, that they see transition as an outing. And in other words, it's time for dad or mom to go. And that's a, that's a problem also, because, you know, you look at someone like Aviva, your father's in his nineties and he's, you know, he may be in his office today for all I know, uh, showing up. And uh, that was always part of the process. I know I'm not saying he's the easiest person on the planet, but I know you've loved having him come to work with you for all these years, but that's not necessarily the case that I'm seeing with millennials. When is a transition, a transition, how do you work it, especially Steve? And when is it not a time to just get rid of people? It's not an outing or an ousting. Yeah, I, I think the, the first generation has to understand when they provide value to the company and to the family members and when they don't. And that's a, that's a self-awareness and that's something that's very important to understand, you know, when should I be pulling back? Do I have the support? Are the people in place? Is my family well-trained? Is there enough communication? Are we successful in what that means at that time? Um, but they need to pull back. They need to pull back as the next generation needs to assume the responsibility and perform. If they're not performing or they're not reacting to the technological changes or the market changes or dealing with COVID and addressing it appropriately, the first generation is not going to have the confidence that the second generation can take over and handle and weather the storm because nothing is smooth and easy. Yeah. Rich, any comments? I just think it's it's having a plan and understanding everyone's intention. So, you know, every family is different. Every business is different. So there's no one way to do this. And, you know, it sounds like in Aviva's case, her father is still going in and, you know, providing value and, and you know, has a lot of years of experience and things like that. I think it's just getting that on the table and knowing if that's, you know, in Aviva's case, her father's desire, the other generation's desire, just getting an understanding of, okay, what is your role going to be? How are you going to be compensated? You know, are you, who has the final decision and things like that? And, and I think it's just getting it on the table so you can figure out a plan. Well, Aviva, you did, uh, this is the end of the segment, but you did, you have experienced all this. Uh, I, your transition must have been 20 years ago, but it also went on in a process for more than a decade. 
you ended up transitioning from a younger partner before your father ever, you know, permanently left the office. So what, what are your thoughts on that as we end the segment? I think Rich is correct. And Steve, they're both correct. I mean, it's, it's different for different situations. In my own situation, you know, my dad was a powerhouse. That's not always the case that the leader who was in charge is either an icon in their industry or a powerhouse. And actually, the, the next generation may have the stronger person there. And it's a question whether the older generation either acknowledges it or notices it or may even be jealous of it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can go on. In my case, it was not quite like that. Um, for me, it, the hard part was when the, the the transition happened, I used to always say, dad handed over the reins, but kept the whip. And and people were used to coming to dad for everything. And when they, even after we had officially made me CEO, they still went to dad. And I had to coach dad saying, dad, you need to say, Aviva's now the CEO. And why don't you go to her? And if you, for some reason, maybe she can't handle it. You know, my door's open, but she's running the ship now. And, and it's hard because I think there's that that tension of wanting to feel like you're the, the main squeeze, that you're the big guy. Um, at the same time, you're trying to do a transition and you want it to go successfully. So you've got to be sensitive to what that could do on the other end. Thank you, Aviva. Thank you, Rich, Stephen, and Jeffrey. Those are some great comments. Uh, but to all our listeners and fans, this is just part one of three of this discussion on family business transitions. Uh, the links to parts two and three will be in the description below and will be available once those sections go live. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Entrepreneurs on YouTube, press that bell button so you get the notifications, and follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, iTunes, or any of the other platforms we stream on. I want to again thanks, thank the FBA and all of our other sponsors for this segment. We'll be back with more on Radio Entrepreneurs uh, after this break.